This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for uh, leading us in one of my favorite songs, Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So excited to see you here and alive and well, because I know that uh, daylight saving time is always a difficult time to get to church, but it's so good to see all of you here with us this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to say welcome and thank you for coming out to be with us this morning. I don't know Uh, The reason for your visit today, maybe you're looking for a church home, maybe you're just passing through, maybe you're here with family or friends, whatever the case is, we're so excited that you're here with us this morning, and we're going to ask that you do us a favor. In the back of your pew, you'll find a visitor's card. Take that card out and fill it out. We've got a box in the foyer. As you exit, you can place that card in there, or you can pass that card to me or one of our shepherds. We love to have a record of your attendance so that we can write you a note and invite you back out, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. And I say that every Sunday morning, but I truly, truly do believe it. We have a wonderful, wonderful church here, and we'd love for you to be a part of this fellowship here. Before we begin this morning, I I, I just have to say uh, thank you and a job well done to Don Elliott for our sermon last week. He did a Fantastic job, an amazing job. He really did. Um, and the reason I say that is because he preached on a, a very difficult subject, right? And how do you do that? I've been to churches before where uh, one of the shepherds would get up and give like a state of the church address. And, you know, there's visitors in the audience and it's really awkward. But I thought that Don did a wonderful, wonderful job last week just communicating kind of where we are financially as a church and where we're hoping to go and how you can help with the cause of trying to grow the kingdom here. So I just thought that was wonderful. He looked natural up here, and uh, it was great to be able to sit with my wife for an entire service. It was just great, you know, um, just to see what it's like. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that. It's, it's tough to stand before a congregation of, of nearly 200 and get up here and talk. So uh, whoever has the opportunity to come up here and do this and does it well just needs to be commended. Um, So speaking of uh, money, my wife and I are going out of town next week uh, for our anniversary. Uh, We will have been married 12 years, and I'm thinking of money. I had to spend a lot of money for this, Um, but we're going going out of town, and uh, I'm not going to tell you where we're going. That's none of your business, Um, but we're going out of town. I got to spend a lot of money, so next week, our brother Aaron is going to be preaching Uh, for us. So we're excited about that. And I get a little nervous when Aaron preaches because he's getting better and better. And I'm just hoping and praying I have a job when I get back after the the anniversary trip. But Aaron's becoming an outstanding gospel preacher, just a great servant leader here. And I'm excited that he'll be filling in for us. So here we go. Last month, I was talking to our shepherds and we were kicking around the idea of, of starting a sermon series on the subject of money. And what's interesting is, out of all the sermons I've preached over my, you know, past 10 years in full-time ministry, I don't remember many sermons that I've preached on, on money. 
And, and I just don't know why. It's a subject that all of us think about, and it's really important. But for me, I just, you know, I just don't touch on that subject very much. Why? Because it's a testy and touchy subject, right? To talk about money and the use of money. And a lot of problems arise because of money, right? Just think about the difficulties that you have had in your life a lot of times you can see that there is a common denominator. And it's usually we don't have enough money. That's why we're struggling through this, right? Or or we've had this experience and, and it's been tough for us. So this is a very difficult subject. But the shepherds and I, we got together and we were thinking through this. And we said, let's do a sermon series on the use of money. And that's what we're going to talk about. So I've entitled this sermon series, Money Matters. Money Matters March month. There you go. Money matters. And for three Sundays, we're going to talk about uh, some aspect of the use of money. So in today's sermon, part one, I wanted to spend some time talking about stewardship. And I'm actually going to use the same parable that Don used last week. He did such a great job that I can steal his notes and preach it again. Amen. So But I really wanted to talk about stewardship and use the same uh, parable story from last week and just pull out a couple of things that will uh, even further support what Don was teaching us last week, okay? So today, let's talk about stewardship. And uh, what I want you to open up to, the scripture that I want you to open up to is Matthew chapter 25. So you can get your Bibles ready, and we'll get there in a moment. But what I want to say about money is that Jesus actually talk more about money than he did about heaven or hell in Scripture. That's something to think about, isn't it? Jesus talked more about money in Scripture than he did about heaven or hell. Why is that? Well, because we spend most of our time thinking about money. That's right. How to make it, how to save it, how to spend it how to invest, how not to squander it, so forth and so on. We spend the majority of our time trying to make that money and figure out how to spend it and use it and becomes a source of a lot of issues and a lot of trouble and a lot of problems. So Jesus had a lot to say about this subject. And because of that, I think the church should have a lot to say about the subject of money. Money dominates much of our lives. So Jesus had a lot to say about money management. And he also said that money management is a spiritual discipline. And the use of your money is connected to how you process and live faith. So God is actually watching how we handle our money on an individual level, but also as a collective group as well. God is looking at our use of it and he wants to know how we're doing with that. So today, let's, let's, let's get into this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we're going to get right into the text. And I'm actually just going to uh, read the section. Don't worry about what's up on the screen just yet. We're going to get to this passage. I just want to read through the whole thing, and then I want to go back to individual passages and pull out a couple of things that we see, okay? So Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse number 14, says this, again, It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To the one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. 
The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gave five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled uh, accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hit your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's do a little exegetical work this morning. And let's break down a couple of these passages of Scripture and try to make it make sense to us and for our context today. We've heard this story. We hear it all the time, right? Parable of the talents. God gives everybody talents. He gives everybody abilities. He gives everybody gifts. But what I want to make clear about this text is that this passage is not talking about your intellect. It's not talking about your unique skill set. It's not talking about that special thing that makes you so special that nobody else has. This passage is strictly talking about the use of money. That's what this passage is all about. Now, there are applications that could be made. And it makes sense to say, well, ability is tied in this and unique giftedness. Yes, yes, I understand all that. But when Jesus is talking about this parable, he's strictly talking about the use of money. Well, how do we know that? Well, first of all, we need to understand what a talent is, right? In the olden days, in times past, what a talent was, like Don mentioned last week, is a talent is a weight in money, a weight, a poundage, if you will. So a talent in this time period represented 71 to 75 pounds of something. That's what a talent was. And you've heard this term before, you're worth your weight in gold, right? So a talent was actually 71 to 75 pounds of gold or precious metal. And what we see in this text is that there was a master who was going on a journey. We say, if you interpret this text correctly, God is the master in this text. And God came to the earth in the form of Jesus, died on the cross, 
and rose again. So he's saying, I'm going on a journey. But guess what? I'm coming back, right? And what he says is, I'm giving you some money. I'm entrusting you with some money, and I want to see what you're going to do with it in the time that I give you. And you've also heard this, time is money, right? And money is time. It's interesting how those things are connected. So if we look at this exegetically, God came to the earth. He went up and he said, I'm coming back again and I'm entrusting you with some property. So the first principle that I want you to know about money is your money is not your money. If you think about it, your money is really, now I'm not even talking about a little bit. Your money is really not your money at all. Not even a little bit. I, I, I work overtime. I know, right? I save. I, I work hard and I put it in. That's wonderful. It's still not yours. It's all God's. And he has entrusted it into your care. And he says, guess what? I want you to use that money to expand the borders of the kingdom. Use that money to glorify me and my work in the world. That's what money is for. And that's difficult to process because we work so hard, right? We spend all our days working, stuck on the 405 in traffic. This money is my money. I should be able to do whatever I want to do with my money. So if I want to have that, uh, that filet mignon, I'm going to have that. Because I work really hard to enjoy that. Now, you know, there's some principles there. I understand that. But all I'm trying to say to you this morning, church, is that we are stewards of God's money. And that changes our perspective just a little bit. And then when we look at this passage, we see that, that some people have more money than other people, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Some people have more than other people. Amen. That's right. And if we look at this text, we see that everybody has, has a little bit different. Some people have more, some people have less. But that's not the point. We all know that. The question is, how are you using what you have, right? So if we look at this text, if we say that a talent is 71 pounds, we see one individual receiving five talents. So I'm not a mathematician, so don't hold me to my math here, okay? I was a foot, well, I'll leave it at that. I'm not a mathematician, right? But if we can compare it today, we would say that this guy with the five talents had something in the range of three to five million dollars. God bless him with a lot of money. Three to five million dollars. The person with the, 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 the two talents, the, the, there had, 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 had you know, less than that, but it was close to the sum of two thousand dollars, if you will. And the person that received this one talent, let's say he, he had one million dollars. So these people had a lot of money. And God the master said, I'm entrusting it to you. Now you do something with it. So let's go to this next slide, Mike, if you will. Matthew chapter 25. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. And there's something really powerful about verse number 16. The guy with the five talents realized, you know what? This is not my money, number one. And the master put me in charge of this. So at once, I'm going to take what I have and go figure out a way to double it so I can use it for God's kingdom and for his work in the world. And because he did that, he gained five more is what the text says. Also, the one with two talents, he gained two more. But the one with one, 
went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. I can kind of empathize with that, right? You have a million dollars and you're supposed to go do, how about I just take this and just sit on it? You know, just for a rainy day or something. Just in case something happens, I want to have something on the side. Just to take, I need something there. Because I don't know what's going to happen. I could lose my job. Not realizing that God is in charge of all things and he can give you a job just like that when he wants to, right? But, but something can happen. There can be an emergency. Well, God's in control of all that as well. We don't realize that. But he went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. To me, that doesn't seem like too bad of a thing to do. You know, it's wise, maybe a little bit. Let me tell you this, church. God expects us to use money and not let the money use us. The Bible says that money is not what is evil. It's the love of money that is evil. We are called to love people and use money. Amen? But some people love money and use people. And when I look at the God we serve, he wants us to use the money that he has given us for his purposes in the world. And the question is, what are we doing with it? Are we worried? Are we scared to use the Lord's money because something may, may happen? Or are we using it to further his purposes in the world? Faithful people, church, figure out how to make God's money work to advance the borders of the kingdom. Unfaithful people don't do much with God's money because this text says they're fearful and they're lazy. It's really easy to be lazy, isn't it, church? Really, really easy to be lazy. But God wants us to be faithful and figure out ways to use the money that he has given us to spread the gospel across the world. But sometimes it just takes a thought process. We've got to figure it out, and it'd be easier not to worry about that. Let's just put a little bit here, a little bit there, and go on about our business. That's not what God wants from us. He wants us to take the little bit that we have and figure out creative ways to make it work. Anybody ever been to San Francisco before here? Have you been to Pier 39? Have you ever seen any of the street performers there? Very interesting people. Well, if you've been up to San Francisco, you're going to recognize this guy. He goes by the name of the Bushman. You heard of the Bushman? If you hadn't heard of the Bushman, you've got to go up to San Francisco and go visit the Bushman. Tell him I said hello. Um, let me tell you what this guy does to make a living. So, you know, in San Francisco, we call it the concrete jungle sometimes, right? Because it's big buildings, streets everywhere. There's this one guy that they call the Bushman. What he does is he takes a couple of branches, right? And he sits on the corner of the street and he hides behind the branches. I mean, you see him there. And he sits on this bucket just like that with his branches. And he waits for people to walk by, unsuspecting tourists, and he goes like this, ah, and scares them. They say he makes about $50,000 a year Scaring people, hiding behind some twigs where you can see him. It's amazing to me how he's able to take a little bit and use his ingenuity to make it happen, right? It's just crazy to me. I, every time I see the guy, I got a picture I have to show you sometimes. It's great, right? 
and people drop off money. They're like, ah, and give them money. If you go to San Francisco, they have these street performers. There's people there that take spray paint cans and are able to spray paint stuff, and it comes out like a beautiful picture of the Golden Gate with just a spray paint can. My goodness, that's what it means to use your ability, right? So God has given us the money that we have. I don't know how much you have in your bank account. I don't want you to know how much I have in mine. But anyway, whatever you have, God's saying, how are you using that for me? What are you doing with the stuff that I've given you? How are you being a steward over it? It's a good question. Matthew chapter 25, next passage. Verse number 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. What I want you to know, church, and we believe this, don't we? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. We even sing that song, don't we? Jesus is coming soon, morning or night. He's coming back. And he wants to know what we have done with the money, the talent he has entrusted us with. He is returning. That's, not, that's a guarantee. And he's going to settle the accounts with you and with I. And I hope when the Lord returns, I can say to him, Lord, here's what you gave me. This is what I've done with it. Look at what I, I was able to make some disciples. I was able to grow some ministries through the talents you've given me. I hope that's what he sees in me because he is returning. He's going to come back and he wants to know what we've done. Well, I kind of sat on the money. I gave a little bit here and there to mission work. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Wasn't really invested in all that, but... No, what are we doing with it? That's what he wants to know. That's important because it shows our level of faithfulness. You, you tell your kids all the time, don't you? Those of us with young kids, go clean your room. I do that all the time. Go clean your room. And it's interesting because when you go back to look at the child's room after they said they've cleaned it, there's one of two things. Maybe one article of clothing can be folded or put back. Or maybe the entire room can be spotless and cleaned in the correct way. And when it's done in the latter, you're overjoyed and you're filled. You say, that's what I'm talking about. You took what I said seriously. It wasn't just a game. It wasn't just pretend to you. But you were faithful in that. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. You guys know this text well. God's money should be used to grow the kingdom on earth. That's what it's there for. It's there, of course, to take care of your physical and your family. We all know that. You've got to take care of your body. You've got to take care of your family. You've got to invest, take care of your children. We all know that. That's a primary concern. We, we got that. But the, the, the other primary concern is how are we using the money to spread the borders of the kingdom? Because I can say this. There's a lot of ways to spend money, isn't there? You ever been there before? You make, a lot, you make some money, and then you're like, where did it go? I just had it. What happened? Now it's gone. Satan is good at what he does. I mean, he can make your money disappear, can't he? Sometimes we get into this situation. You've heard this story before, the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, verses 11 through 13, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered 
his wealth in wild living. Now, I know for us church folk, we can take that, that wild living piece out because we're not living wild. At least I hope not. But we can easily squander our money, can't we? Easily on stuff that, that, that doesn't even matter that much. There's always creative ways to spend your money. There's always something more expensive to buy that never changes. The other day I was at uh, Nordstrom's and I was looking for a new suit. You know, I don't wear suits much, but I was thinking, hey, let me go get a new suit. So I went into the suit section and I was looking at some Hickey Freeman suits. You heard of Hickey Freeman before? Yeah, I went and looked at a Hickey Freeman suit and I looked at the price tag, it said $10,000. I thought they had made a mistake, right? So I asked the clerk, I said, there's some extra zeros on here, I think. He said, no, that's, that's 10000 I said, for a suit, $10,000 for a suit. I couldn't believe it. There's always creative ways to spend your money. There's always things that you can, you know, just enjoy in the moment. God does, he, he don't want us to use our money in that way. You can always find ways. I was, uh, <laughs> I was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was flying back to Southern California, and I was at the airport terminal. And as I was checking my bags in, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this huge man. Looked like a Nephilim, Carl. Huge, right? He was like a giant. He must have been 6'7", 350 pounds. I'm not even exaggerating. Huge man. And as I was walking through the airport, I was like, man, I feel sorry for whoever has to sit next to him on the airplane. <laughs> and I... Uh, <laughs> And I went and got on the airplane, right? And we were on a Southwest flight. Southwest, right? And you know, on Southwest, everybody picks their seat. You can do whatever you want to do, but you got to be in A group, because if you're in C group, it's a problem. You have to sit next to the bathrooms in the back, right? Um, so I had my A group ticket, and I was the first one on the plane, and I was going to get the aisle seat, because that's the best, even though the lady hits you with the cart every time she walks by but I wanted to get the aisle seat. So I got early, got my aisle seat, and everybody was coming in, everybody looked tired and rough, and, and you know, and I was sitting there typing on my laptop, having a good time, had my headphones on. Next thing I know, the stewardess comes over the loudspeaker and says, unfortunately, this flight is completely full. So there are only middle seats left. So if you see a middle seat, you've got to take the middle seat. So everybody got on the plane, and guess what? My middle seat was still vacant. And I said, yes, I won. You know, and then here comes this guy, six foot seven, 350 pounds onto the plane. And I said, Lord, no, no, no. I, I really said a prayer. I really did. I really did. And I was thinking, Lord, if there's just one seat open, please let that man have that seat. This man walked down the aisle, looked at my seat, and he said, is anybody sitting there? I said, no, you can have the seat. He sat down in the seat. His arm hit me in the face. His leg took over my seat, and I was squunched on an aisle seat, right, next to this guy. Man, and the first question that I had for him is, do you play football? He said, yes, I play for the Oakland Raiders. The second question was, why are you on a Southwest flight next to me? you could have got first class, two, three seats, you're sitting right next to me, brother. You know, and I asked him that question. And uh, his response was really intriguing. He said, they pay for this flight, it's free. And then I said, why are you worried about it being free? He said, because I'm struggling financially. I said, what do you mean you're struggling financially? 
You play in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders. Oh, well, maybe that's why you're struggling. But um, you play. <laughs> that's my team, by the way. You play for the Oakland Raiders. His name is Kellen Hurd. You can look him up online. He said, you know what? I make a lot of money. I've made millions of dollars in my career. But you know what I do with my money? I spend it. I have two or three houses. I'm taking care of five or six people. He said, I don't know how many cell phone bills I'm paying for. I lost count. And he said, it's just a, real, it's a struggle for me. And the light just went off for me at that moment. It doesn't matter how much money you make. There's always ways to spend and squander your money no matter how much you have. And it's just unfortunate to think about that character. And it just got me thinking through this whole process of stewardship. It doesn't matter how much you have. It matters how you use it for the glory of God. That's what matters. I want to leave you with this verse, and then we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. If you don't hear anything I say this morning, just hear this verse as we close. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. This passage tells me, church, that we have something that the world doesn't have. And we have something that the world desperately needs. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world desperately needs the gospel. And guess what? It takes money to spread the gospel. It takes good financial stewardship to make that happen, right? And I'm not going to lie, I was a little disturbed by, by what we heard from Don on Sunday, just some of the statistics on how we're managing some things here. That's, that's discouraging. One side it isn't because we know that this facility is a beacon in the community. We, this is our temple, and you've got to invite people to come to church. We get that. But then can we improve on ministries just a little bit? Outreach? I think we can. I think we can do that. I think there's some creative ways. God's given us a mind to figure out how to do that. And I bet you, if we put our money where our math is, if we put our money where our talents are, if we put our monies where our passions are, people will be able to hear the gospel in profound ways. So we got to figure out how to do that. We're stewards of God's money, and we're stewards of the message of Christ. And I just want to leave you with this final question. How are you using your talents? How are you using them? I hope and pray that you're finding creative ways to use the money that God has given you for his purposes to spread the gospel. And if you're not, guess what? You can start today. We can figure it out together. I hope and pray that you're using your time wisely. And I hope you have a passion and a desire to be a good steward in sharing the mysteries of the power of the gospel. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's been falling short in that area. Maybe hadn't been the best financial steward. This, this season, this, this moment is for you. You can come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Maybe there's someone here that's not even a steward yet because they don't belong to the kingdom of God. You're not a Christian. We've got an invitation for you today. The baptistry is ready. If you want to come forward now and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we'll baptize you today. You can be added to the church 
and you can learn to become a great steward for the Lord. Whatever your needs and 